I think that there is an assumption that the acquiring platform that you then have to adapt everyone to, that that's not always going to lead to the most successful consolidation or a project. I think it is sometimes about thinking about it like a new platform. So let's look at the processes holistically for something like back office workflows or account opening, and then let's implement the, the correct new process for this consolidated platform versus just assuming that one of the existing ones needs to win. Every month, we have a new topic for the podcast. And for January, it's platform consolidation. We chose this because, as industry consultants, we've seen our fair share of these projects where we're called in halfway through what can only be described as a disaster. It takes us months to help our clients dig out and get back on track. So we thought, why not speak to some industry experts who can share their experiences and advice on how to repair and run these kinds of projects. So Molly Weiss from InvestNet and I spoke about some of her recommendations for successful platform consolidations. And those include understanding all of your advisor billing processes, uh, taking stock of your back office, taking advantage of your UMA chassis, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Excited to introduce our guest for this episode is Molly Weiss, Head of Product for Wealth Platforms for InvestNet. Molly, welcome to the program. Thanks, Craig. I'm glad to be here. So glad you can make it. I'm glad you had some time available. I know you're really busy, especially this time of year. Things are just starting off. How's your year going? So far, so good. It feels like we're a few months in, not just 19 days in. Yeah, it does seem like time has flown a lot farther. And, and uh, I mean, I'm in New Jersey, it's freezing cold here, but I know you're in the Bay Area, you probably have a little bit better weather. A little bit better. I feel a little bit bad about telling you, but uh, it was 68, I think, over the weekend. So we yeah. were enjoying some good weather and some uh, 49ers wins too. So we like that in the Bay Area as well. Yeah, we're, we're happy with the 49ers beat the Cowboys. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. In New Jersey, we're all happy. Whether you know half New Jersey's Giants fans, they're happy. The other half is Eagles fans, they're happy. So, good job, yeah. good job, 49ers. We <laughs> <laughs> can talk football all day, but we're gonna we're gonna skip that, and we're gonna move on to platform consolidation. That's the theme for January, and that's why we brought you, um, uh, your leadership in the industry, and your experience and your work. Uh, you know, we've always admired. So let's talk. Let's just dive right into it. So. Can you share with us um, some uh, of the the pain points or some of the challenges that you've run into with platform consolidations in your experience? Yeah, you know, um, I've been a part of many. Uh, InvestNet helps support both RIAs and broker dealers through platform consolidations. And the industry has been so acquisitive that there have been a lot due to acquisition that we've been a part of in the last you know few years and, and definitely in the last year. Um, the, the pain points, they all, it always seems to center around, you know, what the advisor's experience is and what's most disruptive to the advisor. And what I think advisors find most disruptive is, is anything that affects their, their billing or the way that clients, you know, see the, the fee schedules or the billing that, that they might be presented with. And that, that is often a major pain point. And then also, um, you know, often sort of the back office processes get 
disrupted, even though ultimately the goal from consolidation is usually to streamline service, to streamline back office processes. I think the the bumpiness of getting there sometimes is really disruptive to the advisor. So those are some of the pain points that we've seen in the past. Yeah, we've seen the same thing. We work with um, broker dealers and uh, who are doing acquisitions and need help consolidating, uh, as well as working with PE firms that are investing and then they're they're rolling up or they're they're bringing firms together. So yeah, acquisitions is is the biggest uh, driver of these platform consolidations because you know the firms all want to get to growing again faster and the, plat- the the multiple platforms are in their way. So what are some of the best practices you'd recommend if you were talking to a room of, of uh, broker dealer CTOs or CIOs, what are some of the, uh, the, the best practices you'd recommend for getting the platform consolidations running as smoothly as possible? I mean, obviously planning is is key. So, so it really all does start with planning and having a really kind of thoughtful strategy um, we do, I, I definitely recommend, uh, you know, understanding things like the way that the advisors are using, you know, programs on the platform and looking for ways to simplify the options that are available to them. So, you know, we see um, the UMA being leveraged a lot more heavily in the past so that it re- reduces the complexity of sort of the configuration and implementation of technology to support advisors um, investment solutions or the investments that they're proposing to clients. So um, really looking for ways to simplify the, the, the um, choices that the advisor has to make, um, really kind of thoughtful planning around that. And then I mentioned billing before, understanding all of the ways that advisors are configured. And sometimes that's, you know, the biggest undertaking of the whole process of doing platform consolidation. It's just going through and understanding all of the flavors that have been implemented on the multiple platforms over time. And I definitely recommend things like, you know, focusing on something like billing and fee schedules to get that process really well understood. And then a good strategy for how you bring that together into something cohesive and then roll it out to your advisors. Um, those are, you know, two places where we really, you can, I think, reap the benefit of some strategic planning ahead of time. Billing is huge. You know, we, we're doing a billing project right now. Uh, and what's funny is, is that, as you, as you mentioned, they, they need to investigate all the different ways they're billing. Most firms don't know because it's, yeah. it's hidden away. Firms that have been in business for 20 years or more. They, they have so many different billing options, so many different tiers and levels and ways they do things, one-offs and as you mentioned, cases, exceptions, and everything's <laughs> an exception. I mean, we've, I've been doing, we've been doing billing projects since 2009 was our first billing project. And yeah, the, the, the level of complexity uh, is tremendous. And one, as you mentioned, understanding all the ways advisors collect fees, we do a, a big, we do a big, um, uh, like a current state assessment. We go and look at all, interview the accounting people and the ops people and, you know, and all the different, different groups that you know, are involved and we start finding stuff and we're doing all these workflows. Like, did you know they do this? Did you know they do that? Did you know they take checks? Did you know, you know they do all these different things? So that's, you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. And I think, so your, your comment there about interviewing advisors and understanding how they run their practices. I think that that one can't be underestimated because I just feel like so often, you know, that there's an assumption about the way advisors are using technology to facilitate their client engagement or to run their practices. And, and we're not always right in the way that we're making those assumptions. And so spending time really understanding those practices. And we tend to group things based on like 
you know, how much AUM an advisor might have or, or what their specific investment preferences are for clients. But I think ultimately it's really getting a better sense of how they're using platform technology to manage their business so that you handle those edge cases and you create streamlined processes for that new consolidated platform that you're trying to roll out. Yeah, we recommend thinking about it like you're building a new platform. So doing the workflows and, and walking them through, they might think it's simplistic, but we, we, we see this every time. We do the workflows like here's a new account opening. Here's a new, uh, adding a new client to the billing system. Here's the steps. Like, oh, you forgot this. Oh, wait, no, no, we got to call this person before we do that. Or no, the accounting team does this. And so, the, and, and we have all the people in the room, compliance, revision, accounting, you know, billing. And they're like, you didn't do that? And they're, they, they're finding out stuff they didn't even know they did. And just documenting all those, it also helps giving, once we document it all, giving it to the vendors, like we'll give it to you. Like we'll give, we've done right. it before working with InvestNet. Here's what they're doing. And that's right. you guys love that because like we don't, you know, they don't have to go look in and find things later. And you can see, okay, we, we do this, we don't do this. Here's how we have to configure our platform to support this. And it saves so much time. That's right, yeah. Cool. So what about, uh, so we did billing. So with best practices from successful um, comp- uh, platform consolidation that you've seen, what about back office? What are the back office things that they can, that they can, that you recommend they do to avoid disruptions? Well, you know, so you just said something that, that I think is interesting. And, and um, I think that there is an assumption sometimes that there is either, you know, the acquiring platform or there's kind of a lead platform or a process that you then have to adapt everyone to. And I think it's not always, that's not always to the best that that's not always going to lead to the most successful consolidation or project. I think it is sometimes about thinking about it like a new platform. So let's look at the processes holistically for something like back office um, workflows or account opening. And then let's, you know, implement the, the correct new process for this consolidated platform versus just assuming that one of the existing ones needs to win. Um, so, you know, really kind of doing what you just said, which is documenting the existing workflows, understanding what the target state workflow should be using the best of the technology that's now consolidated into this new experience, and then understanding what the disruption to the advisor's existing practices is going to be so that you can communicate that effectively, kind of plan how that's going to be rolled out, um, and make sure that it's, you know, I keep saying the word disruptive, but I think that what, what you really are trying to do is disrupt the advisor's business as little as possible while taking them to a better target state of this consolidated platform that should serve them better ultimately. It's about minimizing, minimizing the disruption while bringing them along the path to a better outcome. That's right. And well said. You made a good point. You know, don't, mi- well, we, uh, if I could paraphrase, don't migrate your bad processes to the new system. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Come up with the new target state Mm -hmm. best practices. Yeah, fix things. If you see things that are broken, what you're doing now- It's an opportunity. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's an opportunity to to progress and and get to kind of a better end state ultimately, I think. Mm -hmm. Another area we talked about with best practices was contracts. Can you talk about contracts and what you'd recommend firms do with those? Yeah, so, and when I think about contracts and and platform consolidation, I think about two areas. One is usually if you're consolidating platforms, there is, you know, recontracting that's taking place with the actual advisor and potentially the the client as well. And so I think that 
really being thoughtful about planning how you're going to roll that out to advisors and their clients and, um, and, you know, the communication that takes place and, and the migration that might need to take place to, to new um, systems, I think is really important. But then also, you know, third party contracts. So things like data vendors, data providers, um, you know, it could be a CRM, what, whatever sort of third party partners you might be working with, looking to consolidate those contracts well ahead of actually doing any of the platform consolidation, I think really can help just streamline and reduce the complexity um, as you're getting to that end state sort of target new platform. We, we definitely have supported some of our client firms through having to you know, find out a little bit later that they were receiving data from the same place into, you know, from the same place, but with two contracts. And that just creates a headache down the, down the line. So that's something that I think I would also recommend. Another great suggestion, because we see that all the time when we're working with firms and we start going through their contracts and they yeah. have things they, they're not even using. Like I, we found a vendor that was paying 10 grand a month for data. They weren't even using it, right? Because it, no one had, picked up on it. So yeah. it's, it is kind of funny there. So great. So those are all good best practices uh, to look at. Let's talk about rolling things back. So preemptive strikes, what can, what can enterprise wealth firms, broker dealers and others do preemptively before they've got a platform consolidation to make things, cause it's going to happen at some point, they're going to acquire somebody, they're going to get acquired. So how do they make things easier? What, what's some suggestions you have for them? Yeah, you know, um, I go back a little bit to that concept of simplification. I do think that there are a lot of platforms out there and broker dealers that are um, kind of in a complicated situation when it comes to things like programs and investment offerings. So where they can consolidate ahead of time um, and, you know, maybe using the UMA as an example, if they can create less complexity for their advisors and things like running proposals or managing programs that they're using, I think that can really help a lot. Um, and then the other thing I think that can be really helpful is, is more about, you know, data. Um, and so organizing data, making sure that there's a really clear strategy around um, where data is stored, what data is stored, how that data is used throughout the existing ecosystem, and then doing scenario planning. So you know, what, what if we were to do an acquisition? What would that look like for us if we were to acquire a new portfolio accounting technology or a new broker dealer or something like that? You know, how do you, um, how do you make that as seamless as possible? And I think that that just naturally leads to, you know, questions and probably, you know, identifying some of the things that you were just saying, which is maybe you're getting data in two places and you don't need to do that anymore. So I think that kind of planning can really help a lot. That's an excellent point, the, um, the scenario planning, uh, because a lot of firms don't think about that. If they do an offsite, just get all, the, all your leaders together and say, well, what if this happened? What will we do? And that can generate some good thought and some, discuss and some good discussion. Um, and so uh, you mentioned data strategy. What are some of the things you're, you see when you're working with a firm that has a well-designed data architecture? What, what are some of the, the, the best practices around that that helps with platform consolidation? Yeah, so um, I think really understanding where, like I said, where data is stored, but then also how that data is used. I think where that is really well documented, you know, what data is being used to um, support the trading application or what data is being used for CRM and what, where's 
what's the kind of book of record of that data? What's the source, the source of that data? Um, really well documented and thoughtful strategy, strategies around that kind of organization helps to avoid surprises when you're actually doing the, the platform consolidation. So you don't all of a sudden run into a, a case where either you have multiple you know, instances of the data or you disrupt something you weren't prepared to disrupt because you, you know, made a, a decision without knowing where your data source was. I think that what, that, that kind of thoughtful strategy around um, around data, how it's used and how it's stored is, is really key to making a platform consolidation go smoothly. I'd like to take a break from this episode to talk about one of our sponsors, the Invest in Others Foundation. The Invest in Others Foundation is a charitable foundation that helps charities which are supported by financial advisors. So if you know a financial advisor that supports a charity either in the US or abroad, you can submit his or her name to the Invest in Others Foundation to one of their programs and they can be awarded uh, money for their charity. The Invest in Others Foundation is running one of their programs right now called Grants for Good. The application deadline is next week, January 24th. So please submit your financial advisor, as you know, for this grant. I think they're awarding up to $100,000 in grants to a number of charities. So any person who works in the financial services ecosystem is eligible to apply on behalf of a nonprofit. Uh, applications must be uh, active, currently volunteering with the nonprofit, and you just fill out the form online and you get a chance to uh, get some money for these nonprofits. I've been uh, honored to be a judge in some of these uh, programs, and it's really tough. We have to look at 10 uh, different charities and decide, and, and their advisors who help them, and decide which ones to get the money. It's really hard. So the more money that you donate to Invest in Others, the more of these grants we can give. It makes it easier for us to pick because we'll have more money to, to spread around. So please go to the Invest in Others Foundation, investinothers.org on the web. You can learn more about them. Thanks. Those are excellent points. One thing we, we do, and we're, we're in the middle of a data strategy. We're just starting a data strategy project right now for a large broker dealer. And one of the, the things we're, we're doing is looking at data utilization and saying, well, here's the data you need, but you know it's available from this system as well. And you're paying for That's it from right. that system. And it's actually better over here. And why don't you consolidate your, you know, your data? Your data you didn't even realize they had it available from system A, but they put system B in that they're only using for one thing, but they're using system A for 10 things. So yeah. just consolidate that, but it requires us to come in and look at these, you know, your, your utilization, your, all your sources, inbound, outbound, upstream, downstream, the data strategy, right. data models. Yeah, so excellent, another excellent point. Um, so you would you would talk to earlier about, uh, so we're, we're back to preemptive uh, steps. What about business practice groupings? You'd mentioned that, why should they do that and what benefit does that provide? Yeah, you know, I think the, the the other, we talked a little bit at the beginning about pain points, and I think disruption to the advisor's day-to-day -day experience with technology is can, can be one of the biggest pain points. That obviously is going to increase the number of you know, inbound calls that the, the firm or the broker-dealer is getting from their field. Um, it can you know, result in le less, less interaction with the client and, and all the things that we're trying to actually make better with technology. So I think as you think about consolidating platforms and then getting to that target state platform, um, understanding how advisors use technology in their practices is really important. And so if you can group advisors into kind of their practice patterns, 
and then think about rolling out, you know, whether it's a new experience that they're going to be adopting or a new process that they're going to be adopting. I think thinking about staging that rollout in phases based on how the advisor is using technology or using that back office system can really ease the frustration and also streamline what the home office teams are focused on, whether they're training or supporting or, um, you know, fielding those, those inbound calls. I think that can really help create a more successful platform consolidation experience. And the home office is busy. They got their day jobs. They're so, so busy. Adding this new thing to them is, is not going to help their, their stress level or they get their jobs done any quicker. That's right. No, we, we definitely, I mean, I spend most of my days talking to, to people in the home office. And so I feel like I have a, a you know, pretty good sense of, of what's going to cause their lives to be a lot worse. And I think that's, that's what, um, where I've seen there be success, it's when they are really focused on their advisors, how their advisors are using technology, and then making sure that they're supporting that use case or those use cases as well as possible. Let's go back to data a little bit. So Investment's got a tremendous amount of data. You have over 100,000 advisors on your platform, multiple platforms. You have Yodely. What are some of the recommendations around, we, we talked about consolidating data, but are there any other data recommendations you can share from some of the experiences you've had uh, with your platform? Yeah, I think it goes back to, to what we said about using data. So what do you do with all the data? I think that data can really inform a lot of um a lot of what can streamline businesses or or make businesses more effective. And I think about things like even usage analytics. So understanding, um, you know, using some kind of a data analytics package where advisors are spending their time, how often they're logging in, how often their clients are logging in. I think that that type of data is probably underused in our industry to help inform the best technology practices. Um, so while there's data about the client and data about the advisor, um, I think there's also just data about the activities within the technology ecosystem that can really help create a better technology implementation for advisors. So I think that that one's probably, you know, understated a little bit. Um, and then helping advisors know their clients, um, whether that's serving up, you know, things like the next best action or what, what that client might need, I think, can also help with focusing the technology appropriately to solve, you know, ultimately client pain points, but um, advisor practice pain points as well. Um, so that, that would be my recommendation on the data side. And InvestNet has uh, acquired Wheelhouse Analytics many years ago, and that's become a, a very useful tool for you guys to do exactly the kind of things you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So investment, uh, investment data has become something that we leverage both internally and some of the ways that I was just mentioning, but also that we're exposing more and more externally, whether it's in the actual advisor console or the advisor login, um, or even, you know, at the client level, starting to expose things like insights about the client peer benchmarking, th things that the client might want to know about themselves as well. So we're definitely data focused at investment at this point. One of the things we see a lot with platform consolidation is the disruption and the, the, the changes required on the front end versus the back end and how the thinking changes when you're working with one or the other, because the front end obviously impacts the advisors directly, the back end, sometimes not so much, sometimes a lot. 
What are some recommendations you have for firms when they're evaluating, if they have to do both front end and back end changes, what, how should they approach that? Yeah, I think the coordination of those two things is really important. And sometimes it's a little bit tricky because it might be different teams at the home office or within the broker dealer thinking about the back office systems versus the front office experience. But I, you know, my recommendation is really to to create a just to take a step back and create a a more holistic, higher level strategy so that the potential for disruption is decreased. And I think if you know that you're going to need to change something for the advisor, that might be back office, not necessarily in the front office tool set that they're using, but it's potentially going to be a change, you know, thinking about grouping those things. So rather than changing something on the advisor four times over the next year, you maybe change something twice, but you group those changes front office and back office into like a single, we're going to roll something new out to you next week. And so be prepared. And I think that that's, that can just help lead to a greater greater satisfaction with the advisor, um, ultimately to have fewer disruptions and also to keep in mind that those things may be disconnected from the home office perspective, but they're very connected to the advisor. At the end of the day, they want to be able to process business. So, um, so that would be my recommendation there. You can also do the same thing with operation staff. Look at minimizing their disruption because they've got, if they're disrupted, then the advisors are going to be disrupted. If they can't do a new account opening, if they can't process billing or invoicing, uh, those types of things could also be an issue. That's a very good point. And we don't want to dis- we don't want to disrupt them either. They're very important to the process. When we talk about different teams, how with looking at the investnet system, if you're consolidating um, multiple platforms onto investnet, what are some of the things you recommend the teams do to move the process forward quicker? So we We definitely want the advisor facing teams heavily involved. I think that one of the things that, you know, gets overlooked sometimes that it'll, there'll be a focus on the back office and technology teams, but we also need to include the people that are going to be interfacing with the advisor. So whether that's, you know, field support or, um, you know, people, people on the sales teams or support teams, I think they, they need to be deeply embedded in the strategy for platform consolidation so that they can help really kind of communicate with the advisor. We spend, again, I, I kind of go back to planning and actually some of what we were talking about with sort of the scenario planning before there even is consolidation or, or an attempt at consolidation. But the more time that we spend upfront with a broker dealer planning what the consolidation is going to look, look like, what those phases are going to look like, um, what the new processes will be, the, the better off the, the actual implementation is. Um, I think where we run into, to, there's um, trade-offs, obviously. You want to get to that target state consolidated platform for cost and streamline processes perspectives. But if you rush without a really thoughtful strategy ahead of time, you kind of run the risk of it taking longer than it, than it should anyway, because you're going to have to, you know, stop and address problems. So that really thoughtful um, plan ahead of time, strategy ahead of time is really kind of key to everything, I think. So let's talk about integrations versus replacements. Now you're a bit biased, so you'd want to replace any other systems that are there with investment, obviously, and the other vendors would want to do the same. But if you're uh, what recommendations would you have for a vent, for a client, for broker dealers, um, when to integrate versus when to replace? 
And uh, I know, I know investment has done a lot of invest investments into your own integration capabilities to make those better with the APIs and other tools. But what are some of the best practices around making that decision? Well, it's, that's a hard one, Craig, because I do, <laughs> I do think, and I think you and I may have had this conversation on a previous call, um, but I, I do think that um, we're, we went from take a best of breed and integrate them to it's great if everything can come from one technology or, or one platform. So I am biased. I do believe that the interconnectedness of a single platform is is, is really the way to go. And that's certainly what we focus on in BestNet. But we do realize that there are times when, when there's going to be another system that we need to integrate with. And I think that, um, you know, it, it goes back a little bit to my comment before about strategy. We, we have invested very heavily in our integration capabilities in our API library. We've tried to make it as seamless as possible for, for third party, both clients and, you know, fintech providers or CRM providers to integrate with us. I think that getting getting the two parties in a room where where there is the decision to integrate because that is either you know a system that is has you know legacy value that can't be replicated or it really is just a point solution that that client really wants to continue to use i think when that is the decision getting that party in the room with the other tech parties and and really kind of maybe the room has to be virtual like we are but that really has to to be a part of the planning because I think that assumptions are made lots of times based on you know one-on-one -on -one conversations with the vendor um, or with the the platform provider and they they really need to come together and create a partnership for that client. Um, so I I probably can't say that enough. I think where we've seen the the most successful integrated technology solutions is when the client brings us and the other partners to the table and we talk it through and we're really clear on who's doing what and who's responsible for what. And to be honest, sometimes that uncovers things that the, the client firm, maybe they don't need that partner anymore, but that's how you get to that kind of realization and, and, um, and thoughtful strategy. Exactly. And, and we've done that with InvestNet, right? We work with you and your clients facilitating that exact roundtable discussion where we get you, the other vendor, the custodian, all in the room yeah, together that's right. and say, who's doing this and who's doing that? And we're all on the same team here. Let's, we, all our goal is to, as you said, minimize disruption, get the client growing again, because that lifts everybody's boats and who's that's integrating right. and who's replacing and which, which you know, system is being done. And yeah, so. All, Those all are my team. favorite meetings. As much as I say, I want, I want you to take InvestNet all in, take, take everything that we offer. I, I love those meetings. I think they're so much fun. And I think that they can be really beneficial to the, to the client or to the broker dealer because they, will understand the way that their ecosystem needs to come together in a whole new way. I've definitely, you know, had CTOs or the heads of technology for these broker dealers in the room and they just like light bulbs go off because they, they it, you know, it, it comes together. It starts to make sense. You've got the custodian there to your point and they're kind of sometimes at the center of everything, but these other parties all need to play with the custodian as well. And I, I actually think those meetings are tons of fun. Well, they're, they're challenging. That's what makes them they fun. Are. You've got to think a little differently. Sometimes you have to it's think like a puzzle. box. It's like a puzzle. You got it. That's why we, we like. I like being a consultant, running a consulting firm, because we're always putting the puzzle pieces together. And yeah. there's a lot of there's overlap. And I've been saying this for over 20 years. It's cooperation. Everyone right. is competing, and everyone is partnering in different ways. Uh, so you, you know, custodians are now getting into the you know got into the space years ago where they're take, trying to take business in different ways. Whether they've got a TAMP or they've got a platform, but then you've got to partner with them. 
because they're the custodian and, and your client working with them and, and with other platforms as well that you may compete and you may partner with them. So knowing when to do that and knowing how to work and play nice in the sandbox that's right. the, to, to get the client's path, because that's the ultimate goal, isn't it? Exactly. Absolutely. If that's your guide, if that's your kind of guidepost and that's where you're headed, the, the competition or competition resolves itself to some extent because you uncover what's right for the firm. You're absolutely correct. And we are now out of time. Molly, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing with us and, and talking. I think we got a lot out of it. I think hopefully the audience got a lot out of it. Can you tell us where people can find more about your firm, Investnet? Yeah, well, definitely. Investnet.com um, is the, the best place to, to find out more. We're also, uh, we've got a big presence on LinkedIn, um, lots of articles, lots of our executives out there um, creating good content on LinkedIn as well. Fantastic. And Molly, thanks for being on the program. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Craig. Hey, it's Craig again. My top three takeaways from my conversation with Molly. As part of the preparation for a platform consolidation project, make sure you understand all the business models your advisors are using. Make sure you spend enough time talking to them as well as to your operations and accounting teams to ensure you've captured everything so there won't be any nasty surprises down the road. Number two, don't migrate bad processes to your new systems. This is such a problem we see with a lot of companies. They just want to take everything they have, just, just uh, pick it up and drop it into the new system, think it's the easiest way. It's not. Take the opportunity now to fix things, look at your processes, identify any manual steps and duplicate, uh, duplicative steps or steps that just don't make sense anymore and fix them. Talk to the vendor you are consolidating onto, understand their platform really well, spend time to know it because that'll help you know what features you can take advantage of and how you can improve some of your processes and become more efficient as well as bring in a new platform. And number three, with platform consolidation, also think about program consolidation. That will be any managed account programs, Repus PM, SMAs, mutual fund wraps, and of course UMA, and leverage the UMA chassis. All the major vendors now with UMA uh, support, their chassis can support everything in a sleeve. You can put any managed account program in a sleeve and run it that way. That way everyone gets a UMA, even if it was just a single sleeve, but it looks like uh, it looks like a single sleeve, looks like the program that they're running, but it's really a UMA. You can grow that account if they uh, add more assets. You can add a sleeve um, of any, uh, any type you like, and then you've, you, you can migrate them into a UMA without having to repaper the account. So uh, that's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. And before you go, please head over to our website, ezragroupllc.com, and scroll to the bottom of the homepage and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management information, updates, news, analysis, and links. You will not be disappointed. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to everyone again next time.